Hello and welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast, where we desire to see a world transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, you can send a message to info at mycrossroads.co. Now, let's get our hearts and minds ready for a powerful message from God's Word. Everybody, and good morning to those who are watching online. We are really glad that you chose to be part of the Crossroads family. Uh, we start a new series today. I'm really excited about this one. This is really, really cool. It's going to be, I think, amazing, and I truly believe it's going to be life changing. We're going to be talking about it's called Occupy. And it's going to be about going into your promised land, the promised land that God has for you. And really try to be here for all the times because one, one kind of goes with the other. So if you miss one, go online and, uh, and check it out so, uh, so you, you're up to, up to date, I guess. Uh, but what we're going to be talking about, we're going to be taking a look at two generations and completely different results. One of the generations, they, God intended them for to the, be in the promised land, and they never get there. I mean, they blow it. They do not get there. But the other generation, they get there. They go into the promised land. And here's the thing we're going to take a look at. How did they not do it? Why did they not get in? And why did these people, how did this generation get in? Because you and I have to understand that God has a promised land for us too. That's not just a, you know, something that we talk about back in the Old Testament. This is for us. He put it there to, for us to realize we have a promised land just like God has a, uh, I mean, just like they had a promised land. And here's the thing. We're going to be one of these two. We're going to be represented by one of these two generations. We're either going to you know, miss the promised land or we're going to be in the blessings and everything that God intended for us. And we're going to, not only for us as individuals, but also your family. It's going to be one or the other. This church, Crossroads, we are either going to be in the center of God's will or we're going to miss it and we're going to be doing laps in the wilderness just like the children of Israel did. So we got to make decisions. Which one are we going to be and how do we find out what they did wrong, what they did right, and we can emulate what they did right. And just taking a, a look at the, at the start, first of all, let's take a look at the generation that blew it. We're going to be doing that this week and next week. We're going to learn a lot from them. And this generation, they were the, the Hebrews. They were the children of, of Israel. And here's the thing that had happened. They had just been set free from the promise, uh, from, the, from Egypt. That they had just come for 400 years. They had been in bondage in, uh, in Egypt and under Pharaoh. And God raised up a deliverer to set them free named Moses. And so, so they start out in, in there, the Egypt, and then they went into the desert. Now, the desert was not their, their final destination. That's not where God wanted them to stay. That was kind of like the Panama Canal to get from one place to another. They weren't supposed to stay there. They were only supposed to stay in the desert long enough for them to learn how to battle and for them to learn how to trust God because they were going to need both of those things when they got into the, the promised land. So that's them. Now, let's talk about the promised land for one second. The promised land, why do we call it the promised land? Because God promised that land to the Israelites. He promised Abraham that wherever he set his foot, that that was going to be his, uh, his land, that they, he was going to save those as a special people for, uh, to show the rest of the world God's deliverance. So, with, so that's what the promised land was. And it was the choicest property in the world. We have to realize that. I mean, you could not have gotten, got better choice property in those days because that is where everything collided. That was the, the, the trade path between, between Asia and, and Europe and Africa. That's where it all went through right there. 
It was also perfect prime location on the Mediterranean Sea. It was also filled with these incredible lush valleys, these incredible lush soil, and it was an amazing, amazing place, and God had that set aside for his, uh, for his people. But far more than it being a, ge a geolog geographical location, it was a spiritual location. It was a spiritual thing. Because what we have to realize is that Egypt represents a relationship away from God. It represents bondage to, to sin. It, it, it represents bondage to Satan. But then the, the, the wilderness, it represented where, where a lot of times people find themselves. They were, no longer, they were no longer enslaved to Egypt, but they were still enslaved to fear. They were still in bondage in their minds, the way they were thinking. They still thought like slaves, even though they weren't slaves anymore. And then they were heading towards the promised land. And we have to understand that you and I have that exact same itinerary, okay? That there is, if we, before we know Christ, we are in bondage to sin. We are in bondage to Satan. That's our situation. But then God sends a deliverer, Jesus Christ, to set us free. But the problem is a lot of times we stay in the wilderness, that so many times we just do laps in the wilderness instead of going where God wants us to go. We're saved, we're still going to heaven, but we're not living the life God wants us to live and we're not receiving the inheritance that God wants us to, to inherit. And something that we need to realize about the promised land, two things, is, is first of all, the promised land is not Disneyland, okay? The promised land is not Disneyland. It's tough. It's a challenge. There's hardship. There's enemies. There's battles to fight. There's, there's things that are coming uh, against us. But here's the good thing about it. That there's going to be, in the promised land, there's going to be more victories than defeats. And when we find ourselves broken, we're going to be healed. When we're going to find ourselves discouraged, we're going to be encouraged. When we're going to find ourselves hopeless, we're going to find hope. And, and instead of just doing laps purpose purposeless me in, in our life, we're going to have purpose. Every day, we're going to walk up, get up, and we're going to know that God has a purpose for that day, and God has a purpose for our life, and that changes, that changes everything. The other thing about the promised land you have to realize is that Satan doesn't want you there. For every person hearing my voice, Satan has a plan for your life, just like God has a plan for your life. God has a wonderful plan for your life, and Satan has a horrible plan for your life. And the first thing he wants for you is you never to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And he will do everything to try to keep you away from, from coming to faith. Now understand this. For everybody hearing my voice, if you've never given your life, life to Christ before, you're living the way Satan wants you to live. And you're falling into his plan for your life rather than God's plan for your life. Because God's done everything he can to set you free from sin and to, when he died on the, the cross. So again, which, if, you're not, if you've never given your life to Christ, good idea to, to do that. But if you've given your life to Christ, then Satan still has a plan for your life. And that's to keep you in the wilderness. That's to keep you from never receiving the inheritance that God has for you. The never living the life that God has and the blessing that God has and the, and the favor that God has for, for your life. That's his intent. So, but it's when we start, I'm telling you, when you, what you're doing right now, what you're listening right now, Satan hates it. Because you're not going to be any, any threat to him when you're just wandering around the wilderness. But when you understand who you are, when you understand the power that God's given you, when you understand the authority God's given you and the direction God's given you and all that, man, you're a, you will wreak havoc on his kingdom and you'll be a total menace to him. So he's going to do everything he can to distract you this morning and he's going to do everything he can to distract you from coming back because the last thing he wants is for you to know what, you, what you've got. Now, there was a, a, a project that was called the, the Reveal Research Project, and, and they sp uh, spent uh, several years 
and went to a thousand churches and interviewed tens of thousands of, of Christians, okay, of people who have given their life to Christ, and they wanted to find out basically who's living in the promised land and who's still doing laps in the wilderness. That's not what they said, but really that was what they were looking for. How many people are really living in their faith? How many really are, are living out their faith? How many people are really living in the power of the Spirit? And, and that's changing their life and making a difference in their life. And the, the, the statistics probably aren't shocking, but they're really disappointing. And that's they found out 11% of the people are really living the life that, that God's called them to, to live. And think of that, 9 out of 10 people, Christians, people who love God, who are saved, who they're going to heaven when they die, are doing laps in the wilderness, and you may be one of those. You may be the people, you know, if I'm really honest with myself, my, uh, I would be more apt to say I'm doing laps in the wilderness instead of living in the promised land and living out my faith the way God wants me to. And notice that, too, it, that doesn't just apply to, to individuals. That applies to churches as well, doesn't it? I mean, think of it. God has a plan for every church. God has a plan for his church universal, but God has a plan for every local church as, as well. If you don't believe that God cares about the local church, you've never read your Bible, because seven, out of the, seven of the books in the New Testament were written to a local church to address certain issues in the local church. Jesus uh, uh, said things to uh, local churches seven times in the book of Revelation in chapters 2 and chapter 3. He spoke directly to the local church. God loves and cares about the local church. But the vast majority of the churches in our country are either maintenance or they are on the decline. Very few are on the, uh, on the increase. Praise God we are one. One of those and we have been for years and years and years and we praise God for what he's what he's doing but we have to realize that there's things that we continue to do to be continually to choose to be in the promised land there so let's go back to let's go to numbers 13 this is where we start the journey we're going to do the background of, of the children of Israel now God had just used Moses to set the people free they are now poised uh, they've been in the wilderness for a while, and now they're poised to go into the promised land. I mean, think about that. Think of how excited they would be. And you've got a whole generation ready to do that, God. That's God's plan for their life. And now here's what happens. God tells Moses, listen to what he tells him to do. And I want you to keep your mind on this. Who does he pick? Who does God tell him to, to pick uh, for this? The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders, okay? These are not yahoos that are going out there to be the, the, the spies. These are incredibly, these are the leaders of, that, of the tribes. These are the best of the best, the cream of the crop that Moses picks to go, out, to go out there. And then for 40 days, they explore the land. This was the first Holy Land tour, I guess, with, without the, the buses and without the, the guides and things. But they probably traveled around two to 300 miles exploring the land, for 40, for 40 days. And here's what happens. Here's what, when they reach the Valley of Skull, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, uh, along with some pomegranates and figs. So do you get the picture? Go ahead and throw that up there. This is just one uh, artist's rendition of, of what that would look like. Imagine if you're one of the people carrying this. That, that what's happening is there is incredible bounty. It is amazing, just like God said it would be. And he said this, at the end of the 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went to the land which you sent us, and it, man, it does. It flows with milk and, milk and honey. 
Now, what are they talking about there? First, I love that they laid out the evidence of God's goodness, of God's provision. They're going, man, this is amazing. Look at this. Look at what God did. Look at this incredible thing. And what does it mean by a land flowing with milk and honey? Now, maybe you've heard that phrase and things. Maybe you haven't. But in those days, what that meant is, is that was what God said the land would be like when he appeared to Moses in the burning bush. He said this. I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up uh, out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, obviously, the land literally doesn't flow with milk and honey, but here's what it's saying. For us today, it would be saying, this land is awesome. I mean, this land is epic. This land is absolutely uh, amazing. And these people, there's, all the spies are coming back, and they're going, it is it is just as good as God says. Look at this. Look at this evidence. It is truly amazing. Now, if they would have just ended there, everything would have been great. But there was a big, big but in verse 28. There's a huge but. And I'm going to ask if some people, if our volunteers could come up here at one time. I've asked some people to come up. And here's what I want you to, I want you to say is is that but makes all the difference in the world. And here's the thing that if you ask people, if somebody asks you today at this K&W, what did your preacher speak on? What did your pastor speak on? You can say he spoke about buts, all right? So you can just do that. But here's the thing. Most people, even most Christians, they have their butt in the wrong place, okay? And where you have your butt makes all the difference in the world. This is huge. This is life-changing. Don't miss this. Go ahead, all right? One of you is going to be problem. I'm sorry. You're going to be problem. You're definitely the butt. And here's the promise, all right? So here, come over here. There's always, don't miss this. Wherever, wherever side this is of the butt is the difference between whether it's a statement of faith or a statement of unbelief, okay? The butt's always going to be there, but it depends on which side of the butt your statement is. It's bit, depending on which side the problem is and which side the promise is. So you stay here. If you can go over on this side. Now watch what this is. This statement says this. Come on up one second. This says, God says this. This is what God promises in his word, but this is what I'm facing in my life. This is my circumstances. This is my situation. Do you notice that this is a statement of unbelief? The final say, what has the final say, is the problem, not the promise. Now go around. You two switch places. Beep, beep. There we go. Now look at this. This one's saying, you know what? I've got problems. I've got issues. I've got difficulties in my life. But God has the final word. The promises that God says has the final word. Do you see that this is a total, this is completely different. This is a statement of faith, not a statement of unbelief. Now watch what happens. The people, look at this. Go, go ahead and stay there. They say, man, it is wonderful. It is incredible. It is absolutely, per it is amazing. But then they, say, then they say this. But the people there are powerful, and the cities are fortified, and they're very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites, they live near the sea in the Jordan. And the Termites, they live in the walls. And the Parasites live in the intestine. No, it doesn't say that. Sorry, but... But, you know, so what they're saying is, man, God made this incredible problem, problem, but, man, it's not, in fact, you guys switch around here. This is what it was right here. God made these incredible promises. It's just as good as he said, but there's all these 
There's all these problems. And then, you know what Caleb and Joshua do? They go, no, 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 no. Yes, we've got issues. We've got problems. There's things that we're facing. But God's going to be true. Look what he's done already. Look what he's seen us through. Look at that. And they, again, they don't go back to that. They stay right there and say, but the men who have gone up with us and said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. And they said, the land we explored devours all those living in it. So give them a hand. Thank you very much. So here's the question. Where's your butt, you know? On which side? Is it on which side of the problem is our, is our butt? Because it depends on whether we live a life of faith or we live a life of, uh, of defeat. And, and so, and here's something that's kind of weird. Have you ever noticed that two people, two sets of people or two people can see the exact same thing and come out with completely different results or, it's, you know, what they're thinking, the way they're viewing it? I mean, you know, we know this in sports. Any sports fan knows this. If you ever ever sat next to somebody who is rooting for the opposite team that you are, and maybe it's a basketball game, and you're going, that's a foul. And they're going, he didn't touch him. Then you said, didn't touch him. That's a misdemeanor, man. That's like intent to kill right there. And they're going, he didn't touch him. They're seeing the exact same thing, but they're seeing completely different, you know, different results from, from that. Or how about movies, right? I mean, that's a big one. In fact, like a few, a few weeks ago, uh, Sylvia and I were, were watching a movie with some, uh, with some friends. We love mo- a good movie. We love old movies, and so do they. And all of us had never seen a movie that the Film Institute says it is the best movie of all time. That's what they said. This is the greatest movie of all time. It's Citizen Kane. So we went to watch that, and we're all excited. And we'll get to see the greatest movie of all time. And we're in there. Well, let's just say we had a different opinion than they did, Okay. I mean, I, not only did we not think it was the greatest movie of all time, we thought it stunk. And I, I know some of you are thinking, man, it was a great movie. Well, that's where you're wrong, right? No, I'm just kidding. But it's like, you know, I mean, that shows that people can see the exact same thing and see completely have different results. Imagine this. These 12 spies, they all saw exactly the same thing. They explored the same land. They saw the same thing in that land. They saw the same bountiful harvest. They saw the same giants. They saw the same walled cities. They saw the same people. They saw every same, but they came to two completely different conclusions, didn't they? There was 10 of the people that said this. They came to the conclusion of saying, This land is going to devour us. We can't take this land. The land's going to devour us. And they said to Joshua and Caleb said, said, we may not be able to, but God can, and God can do it through us, and we're going to devour the land. Completely different viewing the exact same thing. And don't we do the same thing? I mean, sometimes we, you've seen, and I've seen people that, that maybe they get the exact same doctor's report, and two of them, you know, one person is, is despondent, and the other's going, okay, this is going to be tough, but man, God's going to see me through this. And where you can see t- uh, two situations where, where maybe there's, there's uh, a couple, two different couples, and one couple, they're going through some hard times, and they're saying, our marriage is doomed, and man, we're headed to divorce. And two, another couple can be going through the exact same situation, and it can go, you know what, we've got our challenges, We've got our issues, but with God, we're going to make it to the other side. And with, with God, we're not just going to survive. Our marriage is going to thrive. And they're going through the same thing, but two completely different feelings about it. 
We can, anything in life, right? Any situation in life, any issue in life, there can be, we can either go put the promise in front of the, the butt or behind the butt. It can be wherever it is that we can have the same, viewing the same situation, and people can come out, one with coming out with all, you know, everything, the sky is falling, and the other goes going, I can't wait to see how God comes through. It's all about where our, our butt is. And, and so I want to talk about inheritance a minute because really a lot of this is about that. And the second part is really about that when we go into the promised land. The word inheritance is so powerful. And, and imagine this. Imagine you had a lawyer came up to you and said, I represent the richest man on this, on this earth. I represent the richest man. He just died and uh, he, left, he left half of everything to, to you. He left you have an inheritance equal to that of his, of his son. And you're going, what would you do? I mean, would you just go, cool, and just go on with life? Or would you go, wait a sec, I want to know what this inheritance is. I want to know what is included in that inheritance. And then, again, say you found out. Say you found it was a title and a castle and land and all this stuff, all this finances. Then when you found out what your inheritance was, would you go, cool, and just go on with life? Or would you go, Man, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna live in I'm gonna I'm gonna live in that castle. I'm gonna receive that. I'm gonna I'm gonna dwell in whatever that is. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna receive the inheritance that was given to me. I say yes to the, to that. And see the difference there. I mean, the same thing with with us is we have an inheritance too, and you may not know that. You have an inheritance that is equal to that of Jesus Christ. Listen to this. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I mean, that's cool. We know that from the, from the cross, but this is something you may not know. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. I'm a co-heirs with Christ. I, I mean, think about that. What that's saying is you have the same, share the same inheritance of Christ. You, you, Christ's portion is your portion. That's mind-boggling, isn't it? But that's what Jesus died for. And so here's the thing. Two cool things about our inheritance. Number one is you don't inherit leftovers and you don't inherit hand-me-downs. When, my, when we had our first child, man, we were poor as church mice, man. And we are, I was a youth pastor and, and, and my, but our, my pastor, they had in, in advanced age in their life, they had had a daughter. So they gave us their, uh, their daughter's uh, you know, baby clothes and little kids' clothes and everything. We're like, thank goodness, we had nothing. So we get this big box of those things. And it was fantastic. And then, then a friend of ours up in New York, they had a daughter. So we sent everything, put that in the box put it all the way out there, they're using it, and then all of a sudden, we have our second daughter. And so that box came all the way back, right? And they had a second daughter, so we sent it all the way there. We had our third daughter. It came back. By this time, you could see through it. It was, you know, it was, it was threadbare. That's not what you receive. You receive, you receive a full, you know, the, the real thing, no hand-me-downs. The other thing, you receive a full share of the inheritance, not a half a share, not a partial share. If you have siblings, the chances are someday you're going to have an inheritance and split that inheritance with your siblings. But that's not, that's not what you receive. You receive every person who's hearing the sound of my voice right now, you, we all receive a totally full inheritance. That's what a God who has unlimited things can do. We receive, you receive a full inheritance. Every person around the world right now, they receive a full inheritance in Jesus Christ. So here's the question. What's involved in your inheritance? What are you receiving? What is the inheritance that Jesus died for so that he can get everything he paid for in your, in your life? 
What is it? And we're going to take a look just at a few. I'm just going to read a few of these things. I could spend days of the, some of the promises in the, in the Bible. These are just a few. And here's what I'd like you to do. I would like you to just kick back and just receive these things and just go, wow, this is what you've inherited. These are what, you, what you've given. And yet, you know what? I like that. Maybe just, man, maybe just close your eyes and just receive this. Maybe just even open up your hands and just go, God, man, I receive every single one of these things. The first one is this, salvation and forgiveness. He saved us, not because of righteous things which we have done, but according to his power. It's Titus 3. John 1 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Salvation and forgiveness is your inheritance. God's presence, Hebrews 13 says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Matthew 28 says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the, the earth. God's presence is your inheritance. God's provision he says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Claim that. That's your inheritance. God's protection. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Somebody needs to hear that. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. That's your inheritance. Peace. Oh, my goodness. Peace is your inheritance. That means we don't have to live an anxious life. He says the prom he promises peace to, uh, to his people his saints. John 14 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give it as the world gives, so don't let your heart be troubled and don't be afraid. Peace is your inheritance. Anxiety is not your inheritance. Instruction and, and guidance. I will instruct and keep you in, in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eyes upon you. God promises that he's going to lead you and guide you as you look to, as you look to him. The ultimate GPS. I don't know if you know this. Healing is your inheritance. Psalm 103 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who forgives all my sins, not part of your sins, all of your sins, and heals all of your diseases. Isaiah 53, 5, this is what Jesus died for. But he was pierced for, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we've been healed. That's spiritually, that's physically. His Holy Spirit, man, you talk about a blessing. His power is given. His Holy Spirit power, we can live in that. That's part of your inheritance. The provision of the Holy Spirit, the, the protection of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Now imagine if any one of these were for sale at Walmart, what people would pay for this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's your inheritance. Abundant life. Jesus said, I've come so that you, 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 might have life and have it more abundantly. How about this one? Every good thing. Do you receive that? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And as if that's not enough, there's a cherry at the, on the top of the ice cream. It says, heaven. In my Father's house are many mansions, are many rooms, and I go in to prepare a place for you. We inherit by promise, but we possess by faith. Maybe if every eye could be closed. 
God, I want you to know this. God wants you to know the inheritance that you have. He wants you to know you have an inheritance. And there may be people in here, you never knew that before. You have an inheritance. It's incredible. And God wants you to know what the inheritance is that you have. But also God wants you to receive that inheritance. Every single one of the things we've talked about and so many, so many more. Open up your word. Open up the word of God so that you can claim those, those promises and those blessings. And if, you're, if you had a million dollars in the bank, it wouldn't do you any good unless you wrote a check and received that. God's deposited these blessings to you. And I'm not talking financially. That's part of it. But I'm talking just, man, really the things that I was talking about here. So what are we going to do? Which side of the promised land are we going to live in? Which side of the butt are we going to be? Are we going to live a life of faith or a life of doubt? Are we going to let our our problems have the final say? Are we going to let God's promises have the final say? Are we going to say yes to the inheritance that God has? And God, we say right now, just as the, the, the prayer team can come forward and they can, they, they can be, be ready, God, we say yes to every blessing that you have. We, God, you've signed your name to an incredible blank check, and we, God, we deposit that. We say yes, and I, God, I pray. I pray for health over your people. God, I pray for provision over your people. I pray, God, for protection over your people, for every single good thing, for, your spirit, for the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. God, your, your presence in our life, your peace. We say yes to every one of those. And I just, God, as, as we just do that, we just, as they just come, we just say yes, 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 yes to every great thing that you have for us. And we say all these things in the strong and matchless name of Jesus Christ who paid for all this stuff. And all God's people said, amen. If we can stand and sing, the altar is open and maybe you just want to come and pray and you say yes to what God has to offer you. And there's people here that want to pray for you, for you or for somebody else, whatever you're going through, there's people that want to pray. Thank you so much for listening to the Crossroads Church Podcast. If you would like to listen to past Crossroads Church Podcast, you can go to mycrossroads.co slash podcast. Once again, thanks for listening.